Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. I'll be sitting down with some phenomenal women to discuss love. I believe we grew distant out of love of some type. Like, yeah. I don't want to hurt you. Loss. Really don't know what's going to trigger that feeling of right. grief in any moment. And a topic very important to my work self-care. Freedom is self-care. It's not about pedicures. It's not about clothing. It's not about trips. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Today on the show, I'm sitting down with Kanisha Sneed, an artist, art director, and visual storyteller. We're chatting about how her business came to be, how she honors her process as an artist, and how self-care intertwines in all of that. I think you're going to enjoy this. Here's Kanisha. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Kanisha, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing great. I'm. I'm beyond excited, and it's been a long time coming. So I'm. I'm very thrilled to speak with you. Before we dive into our conversation, I would <laughs> love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners. So, who are you, and what do you do? Yeah, my name is Kanisha Sneed, and I am an artist, designer art director, founder of Tactile Matter, which currently serves as an online space where I showcase collections of my handmade works. And outside of many other things, I'm a visual storyteller. I have been just a fan of yours for a long time. I, <laughs> I am so just, I'm excited to hear what you have going on and how your art serves as forms of self-care and meditation and how you move through the world. So let's start with how did you get into artistry? Wow. Uh, well, much of my early life was influenced by creativity in some way or another, even though both my parents weren't artists and I didn't come from a family of artists in any way. But my mother would draw and I remember thinking her sketches were so inspiring and it would be something as gestural as an outline of a face. And I was just in awe of everything that she did. So oh. of, of course, I, I didn't know at the time that I was absorbing what would eventually shape the trajectory of my life towards a career in the arts. But I remember my parents had prints of Ernie Barnes and Monica Stewart on the wall, which the impact of seeing those figures who I could identify with had influence on how I navigated the world. And on the flip side, I was also the kid who watched Miyazaki animations throughout college, and I was so inspired by anime. So I grew up feeling like, you know, a little bit awkward and out of place, and like I didn't really fit in. So creativity has always served as an outlet to, to sort of place my emotions and visualize my emotions. I think that's it's really interesting that you said, you know, you didn't really feel like you, you fit in um, growing up. And I want to kind of rewind and talk about that a little more and how art shaped your ability to maybe even find your voice and, and find your identity. So how did that start for you? Perhaps your first drawing or, you know, after seeing mom do something, you were able to go and, and kind of repeat it. How did you fall in love with, you know, finding your own place in being an artist, even as a person who felt kind of left out as a kid? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would, you know, I think I would spend much of my time sort of, you know, just 
being isolated in a lot of ways. And I, I really felt like my safe space was being in a room drawing and sketching and painting and doing all of the things that allowed me to use my hands in some way. So I just, I think that it was something that was inherent in me from the beginning. And, you know, I would, I would even get some report cards back from teachers when I was a kid that basically in so many words said that, you know, I am trash when it comes to everything else, but when it's, art related I am really succeeding in that and <laughs> you know so I I really I really felt like growing up it was just such a passion of mine and I didn't necessarily though think that I wanted to pursue it I didn't think I would in any way I worked so many you know odd jobs before actually um, going to school and eventually I ended up going to, as cliche as it sounds, I went to an art school. I went to Otis College of Art and Design in 2005, and my major was in digital media. Mm. And after graduating, I started a career designing at animation studios. So I worked at a studio for about three years before leaving to work freelance, where I'd be designing at a lot of different creative spaces. And so I eventually went staff again at an animation studio as an art director here in LA. And it was a creative space with some of the most talented artists in the commercial and animation world. So I feel like I, I've just been a byproduct of just absorbing everything around me and just continuing to be inspired. So, you know, I don't, I don't really put too much pressure on myself to, you know, continue to, be an artist just for the sake of being an artist mm, and I mm-hmm. feel like I really thrive in being an artist because it really is in a lot of ways a form of therapy for me. Let's talk about art as a form of therapy. When do you find yourself most inspired to create and not just for you know a freelance job or for a client or for a project but mm-hmm. just for you? How do you find your self-care in your in your art, especially as you're walking through, you know, the different trials and tribulations that life throws at us. Yeah, I'm I'm always finding ways to get inspired. Sometimes it's as simple as getting out and hanging with friends. And I'm at my best when and most inspired when I'm in some way interacting with people, mm. which does a lot because I thrive on setting boundaries and usually like to be left alone. So, you know, for me, it's all a balance. Some days, designing, painting, working with clay can feel so rewarding and almost like a form of therapy. And other days it could feel almost like a burden because as with any job you do where the final product is in exchange for your livelihood, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm happy to get paid to explore, but in the process of exploring, it could, it could be heavy at times. So being a creative by no means makes you exempt from all the feelings associated with being a business. When did Tactile Matter come to be? Well, Tactile Matter, um, I started Tactile Matter, well, let me actually backtrack a little bit. So I, you know, I, I ended up going and working at these different design studios. And I, I really, I did love my job. And I, I was full time. And you know, as I was as I was sort of navigating in this in this full time design art directing world, one of the creative directors asked if I'd like to take a ceramic course with her, and which naturally I fell in love. And 
Uh, I, for some time, wanted to explore sculpture in some way, but it wasn't until trying it that I got so obsessed. So Mm -hmm. skipping forward, I started Tactile Matter basically while I was still working full time. But at that time, it was just an Instagram account and a low-key extension of myself just exploring ceramics. And so keeping in mind that this is also a time when ceramics was getting really saturated in the market, which means I really had no business trying to pursue this part-time. But I loved doing it so much that until I got to a point when I was being contacted for both ceramic as well as illustration commissions. So I slowly started playing and, and pushing myself towards uh, leaving to work independently in design and art direction, but also filter in the ceramic part of my life, which I was really battling with myself because I was the only woman of color, definitely the only black figure in this design space. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people can identify with this notion that if I'm not here to represent other people who look like me, then who's going to do that? Mm-hmm. So it was a pressure I put on myself for a long time. I still struggle with that feeling at times, but, you know, because there's so few of us in animation, tech, and the design world specifically. But really, I feel that there's already too much pressure on the shoulders of Black women as it is, so it shouldn't be our our burden to have to carry that weight. Look, we get it. Your child is incredibly curious and a lot of toys and activities these days just don't keep their attention. Well, keep them engaged with hours of fun with Little Passports. Little Passports is a subscription box full of toys and games for children of all ages that educates and entertains. For $12.95 per month, there's tons to explore right from your own home. Little Passports box is delivered right to your door every month and each package contains exciting hands-on learning for kiddos three and up. You can feed their inner scientist with the science expedition pack, which is full of cool experiments to try, or you can even make your own slime. And just for my listeners, Little Passports is offering 15% off of any subscription. That means your child could be flying rockets or looking through a microscope in no time. Use offer code HeyGirl at checkout for 15% off your order. That's HeyGirl at LittlePassports.com. I recently started wearing a new bra by Third Love, and I absolutely adore it. Did you know that breast shape matters when you're finding a good fit? I didn't. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and premium feel. I found the Fit Finder quiz really helpful when I was picking out my Third Love bra. I didn't know I was wearing the wrong size for so long. I think what's really awesome about this is that over 12 million women have taken the quiz to date, and it's actually a pretty fun experience. I answered a few simple questions, and I found my perfect fit in about 60 seconds. Third Love offers more than 70 sizes, which is more sizes than most other brands, including their signature half cup sizes. Not only that, but Third Love is convenient. You can skip the trip to the mall, Find your fit with their online fit finder, order, try it on at home. No more awkward fitting room experiences. What really sold me on Third Love was the 100% fit guarantee. Every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. And if you don't love it, you can return it. And Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. Third Love's team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit. Fit stylists are available every day to help via text, chat, or phone. 
Returns and exchanges are free and easy. What's not to love? Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering Hey Girl listeners 15% off of your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash heygirl to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash heygirl for 15% off today. So how do you find the balance? I, I want to talk about that because, yes, representation matters. And it's like if if we don't do it, who's going to do it? Right. And I also find that people of color, women of color, black women specifically look at folks who look like them in the creative spaces, be it entrepreneurial or just as a hobby. Right. As like, OK, she did it. She can do it. So can I. So where does that right. balance come in of like. Yes, we already have a lot on our shoulders as black women, but we also feel maybe a little obligation to to show up and show face for our community. So how do you find how do you find that balance in your work? Well, I I feel like a a large part of the narrative of my work speaks to the complexities of something as simple as just existing and the nuances of those concepts met with like bold palettes and soft lines keeps my work purposeful for me Mm -hmm. and I'm always championing for black women to succeed both in front and behind the scenes so it's very important to have our voices amplified and heard and I just want us I just want us to keep thriving you know so I'll always want to translate bigger conversations through my work right but a a big part of my creative journey has been peeling back the layers of what self-care really means to me and so much of the past year has been challenging myself to take a few beats before diving into something new, which is huge for me because I thrive most when I'm working. So giving myself the permission to just relax is the best way I could, you know, it's the best thing that I could do for myself at this time. And so uh, getting out of the house more, seeing people I love more, mm-hmm. that's all good for me. That's yeah. all, that's really all I need. Yeah. So you mentioned that over the past year, you've really been leaning into your self-care practice um, in and out of your art. So let's explore that a little bit. What has your self-care practice been looking like? You know, you said seeing people you love more and getting out of the house more. How are you learning to honor where you are in your process while leaning into taking care of yourself? Well, you know, the past year has been very raw for me and going through the feelings of grief and taking it head on through both, you know, my work and the support of people around me has been, you know, really important for me. And giving myself space to just take a pause and breathe has been crucial in my work and personal life. And at the end of the day, you still need to make a living and nothing stops when you're going through a traumatic experience. So through this, I, you know, I never, I never could have expected to build new friendships while honoring my existing circle. Mm. I get overwhelmed at the thought of how much this experience has opened my heart in ways I've never experienced or expected. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I feel like grief in a lot of ways has taught me to ask for help in my work practices, whether it's having someone going through my emails or having someone help with production. It's all been everything to me, and it's the best thing I could have done for myself and for my own self-care. So it's not only helped me with freeing up my mental space to perform and just get work done, but it's also helped in being a better communicator because 
you know, because I work remotely, I easily get comfortable working solo, but I also need social interactions to get inspired and get re-energized. So it's all a balance, and I'm always finding unique ways of making it all work. If you could tell your younger self something, anything uplifting, what would you say to her? Oh, God. Well, I, I feel that I, you know, when I was younger, I, I felt insecure about many different things and the work that I'm creating. And, you know, it was a really long, it was a long period of time where I didn't feel like I really was worthy of, of, you know, being acknowledged for the art that I do and what I create and where I sat in, you know, many spaces creatively, you know, but in no way do I feel the value of the time and the energy that I've put into developing the skill sets I have over the years is something unworthy. And I would be doing myself a disservice if I felt unworthy of acknowledgement and compensation for the years of practice and sleep deprived nights Mm. to be where I am today. So nothing about where I stand now happened overnight. And I feel very secure in that now. But you know, to my younger self, I would I would probably say, you know, really just be patient with yourself and your process. It, you know, it took me a long time to feel comfortable, not only in my professional life, but in better knowing myself in my personal life as well. So I'm, I'm very okay uh, with learning to see every challenge as a teachable moment. So that would probably be something that I would, I would tell my younger self. The Hey Girl podcast is a member of the District Productive, produced by Paul, Woody Woodhall, and me. Alex L. Music by DC's own Kokai. <laughs>